0: Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, celebrate your amazing singular self, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the phrase loving your anxiety. Kidshealth.org describes anxiety as a sense of uneasiness, nervousness, worry, fear or dread of what's about to happen or what might happen. Signs and symptoms include feeling nervous, restless or tense, having a sense of impending danger, panic or doom, having an increased heart rate, breathing rapidly or hyperventilation, sweating, trembling, feeling weak or tired, trouble concentrating or mind going blank sound familiar it's pretty universally understood that public speaking and by extension speaking on camera and trying to be camera ready causes anxiety in just about everybody at some point loving your anxiety is a positive possibly even playful form of self-care joining me to discuss is heather hands a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist certified clinical anxiety treatment professional and holistic intuitive coach Heather is also the weekly wellness expert on Nine News Denver and knows firsthand the anxiety that goes into presenting on camera. Welcome, Heather. I am really thrilled that we could have this conversation.
1: Hi, Barbara. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited to share some of this information with people and well, and thanks, I include myself in the
0: people because I have learned a lot about anxiety from our work together and uh, I'm really grateful for it. It's it's opened my eyes and changed my approach to things. So first off, you know, what is anxiety? What's the purpose of anxiety? Because it's not just there to be this like of an annoying, uncomfortable thing. It, it's it's actually it has a function.
1: Exactly, which is why I'm glad you said love your anxiety because Anxiety is really meant to help us change. So when we have anxiety, the purpose researchers believe is to make a plan to change. So that could happen spur of the moment. If a truck is coming towards you, you get anxiety, you need to know how to change, how to get out of the way really fast. But it could also be more long term type of more long term type of a situation where you you just need to make an adjustment or do something different and so that's really the purpose of it so we wouldn't want it to go away because you know then you'd get hit by that truck but the problem is When it gets out of hand, there's a reasonable level of anxiety that we all have once it starts getting really high is when you see anxiety disorders.
0: One of the biggest things I learned from you was that anxiety is, you know, our body's talking to us and that we should listen to it. So, and so one of the reasons I'm bringing that up is when you talk about anxiety disorders, there's this big space between anxiety disorder and anxiety. Meaning, so I was one of those people for years who didn't even realize I had any anxiety because I thought it was an, an either or. Either you're like breathing into a paper bag, like you'd see people in like the movies right. having some, you know, huge panic attack in a department store. I'm like, well, I'm not that person. So I must not have anxiety. So I, I want to actually circle back to that. I guess I don't want to say like, so there's normal functional anxiety, but for many of us, we're not paying attention to our bodies because we haven't gone to an extreme. So I wanted to see if we could explore a little bit about what those things are. It's like, how do you listen to actually what's happening so that you can start to make changes?
1: Yeah, and, and I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of people and myself included don't know, didn't know, have a word for anxiety. But um, an anxiety disorder is is kind of a chronic thing that people wrestle with that's really interfering in their life in a lot of ways. And there are different types of anxiety disorders, phobias, um, just general anxiety disorder. Uh, you could also have OCD, but people kind of use those terms loosely to, to have an actual disorder. You have to meet a bunch of criteria and it usually is pretty extreme. As far as listening to your body, and you've taught me this, you know, every time I, I go on air on the news, I do my belly breathing and I, I... Just kind of lean into my anxiety instead of letting it scare me, because a lot of times people get more anxiety because of their anxiety. That's a very exactly. common thing. Exactly. Yes. So especially
0: those of us who are control enthusiasts. Yeah. And <laughs> I love that. And then you were just like, "I don't have coping skills for this." Yes. Well, wait, I, I'm going to interrupt for one sec because. See, this is where I'm like, I don't know if the American Psychology Association or whatever it's called recognizes fear of public speaking as a full-on phobia. So that's where we're really landing here in a podcast called Camera Ready and Able, that it's camera readiness, this fear of speaking causes anxiety in everybody, but you know it doesn't interrupt in most people's lives. And yet the pandemic showed us like everybody has to be on camera. We all have to communicate and, it, you, and you stop to think it's like the maybe it's more subtle ways it's interfering in people's lives or progress in their careers.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it prevents people from taking risks that could help them grow. Um, and, and I'm glad you brought up the being on camera and the the phobia of public speaking, because those are actually legitimate phobias. And oh, the <laughs> one thing that helps that is, Exposure to what you fear, when you when you expose yourself to what you fear repeatedly. Now, of course, you don't want it to be a dangerous fear, but public speaking is not dangerous. When you expose yourself repeatedly, that is what rewires the brain, and that's what eventually uh, makes it so that it's not a phobia. That doesn't mean you're not going to get nervous before you speak publicly, but a phobia really prevents you from speaking publicly. So that's the difference. It's like the more you do it, the easier it will become. And the less fearful, you know, the less it will interfere with what you can do, what your potential is on camera. And you're right. Everyone has to do it now. So um, the, the best way to do it is diving in. It's what really what creates these new connections in your brain that makes lasting change. So, you know, a lot of a lot of anxiety treatments are short term, including medication but exposure is is one of the lasting types of treatments and um, medication, which we can't get into, but just to say it here too, medication interferes with what happens during exposure. So that's, that's one time you don't wanna use medication if you're trying to get over a phobia.
0: Okay, this is interesting. So it, it's a great time to bring up and, and I'll address it too late at the end of the podcast as well, but you have a course. A digital course via your website that addresses this. And one of the things that I loved about it was the idea that um, it's a natural way of approaching anxiety that is the only sort of research-driven or proven way of dealing with anxiety that is not chemically yeah, uh, it doesn't use chemicals. So I was pretty excited about that. so i w- I want to address that now. So cause um one of my favorite words like is like is like neuroplasticity is part of what we're yeah. talking about, which exactly. I love saying because it makes me sound like I'm smart. <laughs> and um so too, and then also understanding is like there is a time for medication, but there are also times when there's not because it's that's more of a dealing with the symptom, not the cause, correct?
1: Yes, you know, certain medications, like SSRIs, which are the most common medications for anxiety and depression, sometimes they can be helpful in making the brain more flexible to learn these techniques that are longer okay. lasting, but they're really meant to be kind of a kickstarter, not a long- term thing because they don't, just like any medication they're they're not really um, creating that permanent change. It's more like a temporary fix that goes away when the medication goes away, so you don't really learn how to change the brain and that that change doesn't stick so much um, unless you unless someone has tried every way and they have a serious disorder, and then they use it just initially to get the brain more flexible.
0: so how do we cope with this? What are the the techniques that we use? and I also want to know like what you used. When you started doing going on camera, and you're like, "Oh wow, now I know what I'm talking about. I'm an expert, but I have a lot of empathy."
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I wish I could show you my checklist here, my TV checklist, because your words are are on it. You know, doing that body check in, doing belly breathing, loose arms, neck, and shoulders. Um, but really, the way the way you treat it depends on the type of anxiety it is. Anxiety comes from two places. Either an event happens and it triggers it it triggers this part of the brain called the amygdala, and that's that's where exposure helps. Exposure helps, mindfulness helps, and I'll, I'll get into those. But the other type of anxiety happens from our own mind, kind of like what we were saying about worrying about the worry or having anxiety about the anxiety. So that is the one that's that's more common the so it's either an event or your own mind causing it so when we have when when something happens and we ruminate or we have negative interpretations and we're worried that that's really what people are typically facing and to to deal with that there are a couple of methods but the main one is to distract your mind to change your thoughts what i call changing the TV channel. That's actually what the method is called. Yeah. So it's like if you're scrolling through the TV with a remote and you come across a horror movie, well, if you stay watching it, that's what you're going to get. So you have to change the channel to something more peaceful or funny or relaxing. And we can't change every intrusive thought that comes into our mind. Just like when you're scrolling through the channels, you can't, help it if that horror movie came on, but you can do something once it's there. And the reason why people feel like it's so hard is just because they haven't practiced doing this, switching your thoughts, switching the channel. And so I I tell people to come up with a handful of go-to thoughts that just make them feel good or even just neutral, but just to get away from those anxiety provoking thoughts.
0: Wait, I I love this so much that I want you to repeat this. So... I love this anticipatory or proactive exercise of having a list of go-to happy thoughts.
1: Yes. And they don't have to be real. They could be imaginary. They could be anything, you know, let your mind wander. What kind of thoughts make you happy? A lot of times when I ask people this, they're thinking of what actually makes them happy. Like, what activities make them happy, but we're focused on thoughts here. So what actual thoughts, not activities, but what thoughts make you happy?
0: Can you give me an example? This is really, really helpful. What? Give me an example of, of a thought that's not an activity.
1: Sure. So having a thought about something positive happening in your life or in your kids' lives, or having a thought about what you're going to have for dinner that night that you love or so would an example be something like just to what you said, it's like, Oh wow. I'm,
0: I'm so looking forward to
1: getting together with
0: so-and-so for dinner or I'm so happy and grateful that my kids are healthy and
1: safe. Yes. Okay. So that's acknowledging a
0: thought versus I really enjoy going to X, Y, Z, because that's an activity. It's not a
1: thought. Right. Unless the just the thought of it makes you happy, which could be true. Like, like if you think about being on a beach somewhere and that thought makes you happy. Great. That thought makes me think happy. It. That thought makes yeah. me very happy. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you're, yeah, you're looking for that emotional happiness. But again, even if it's not just complete bliss, just something neutral, like it could be I got a seat on the subway
0: makes me happy. Or, you know what okay, I mean? Or, right. or like yeah. the, the the middle seat was empty on that flight makes me happy. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or just like, what do I have to do this afternoon? Because that distracts you. It may not be happy, but it's just like, it's not anxiety provoking. Okay, I need to go here and get this. And so just, it's it's a redirection.
0: Got it. In your practice, so I was going to say, do you ever use... In, in addition to thought, um, motion or activity, and the reason I bring this up because these are big things that we use in coaching, and they're NLP techniques. So one is, you know, to use uh, an NLP is to use some kind of anchor, you know, or a physical gesture, like I, I make my little fist, or I do my, you know, um, satanama, you know, it, it, it have an affirmation or a mantra. Even the classic one for public speaking is to, you know, spread your arms out, look up and smile because your brain, you can't, you can't be nervous when you, your brain just can't handle it. It can't have those multiple thoughts. Yes. So it's the same idea, but I just like, I look up, I'm happy. I see the light. Oh, I forgot that I was nervous in that moment.
1: Yes, exactly. And funny when you brought up exercise, I was thinking of literal physical exercise, sleep and exercise are two of the best treatments for anxiety. And that's something everyone has access to, everyone can do. Um, you know, a lot of times when people have anxiety, there are very clear lifestyle causes. You know, if you didn't get enough sleep or if you haven't slept well in a week, that's definitely going to create anxiety. Um, if you're not exercising, that creates anxiety. So mm. these are just more reasons to do these basic health care and the other thing for going on camera, one of the things and this really helps me myself is mindfulness and getting in the flow. There's, you know, something called flow where it means you're so present that you don't have time to be anxious because the minute that you think about the minute you think about anything other than what you're doing, you will get anxious, especially on camera. You have to be so present and focused on what you're saying that the anxiety can't even slip in.
0: Oh, I love that. That that's when we're connected to purpose and we're in flow. Yeah. I I I I always position it as, you know, speak to serve. So, you know, I'm I'm not here for my own amusement or to listen to myself. You know, I'm here to connect with others, be helpful, be of service, and make some kind of an impact. And that completely and and I've had to talk myself into it. Right. Where I'm like that my ability to be helpful today or do something positive for someone else is more important. I value that more than I than clinging to my fear, literally talking myself through that.
1: I love that. And I know you've you and I've talked about how anxiety is self-absorbed because when you're anxious, you you are so focused on these uncomfortable thoughts and sensations going on inside of you and when you're when you're self absorbed like that, you have less to give other people, and so that's really true that when when you're on camera, you want to think about your message and you know everything that you've taught me, you know how you want other people to feel, and just really staying true to that and just knowing that the minute you get off track there and and that happens, you get off track, maybe you say something that didn't come out right. And you notice yourself going to your head and worrying. Just immediately bring yourself back to the present moment. What you're saying, and then other other types of mindfulness techniques have to do with focusing on your physical sensations. So that's what you can feel and hear and smell and touch right now. That is one of the best ways that that brings people out of out of their head. You know, is and be- being in the present moment. And again, it's free and easy.
0: That reminds me of, you know, reading Dan Harris's book. And so, you know, and he talks about his introduction to meditation and it's so much about that in walking meditation is 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 then exactly what you just said, you know, going for a walk and being like I, I see a yellow flower, I see a bee on the yellow flower, and just constantly tell you know, repeating in your head what you're seeing because it brings you to the now and all the other things float away yes. and don't matter. It also reminds me of something I learned years ago when my son was a young hockey player. Was this idea that it takes no skill to play your position; like anyone can do that and be a good team member. And the reason I'm saying that is when we're nervous about going on camera, that um, if you're going to go do a TV segment or, or you know even for an audition, is it's almost mundane to be like, you know what? The one thing I have in my control is I can be a good guest, which means I can show up on time, be prepared, be of service to them because they're they're making television and they need people to be good guests. And this is always my hot tip, and good guests get invited back.
1: That is people so People who get true. all the
0: words right don't get invited back. People who are good guests who understand the needs of the station or TV show or whoever is hosting you. So same thing when you're going into an audition. I can even say this about a job interview, but an audition is actually to calm yourself down, realizing me being delightful, me being on time that just makes their day easier.
1: Exactly. I can exactly. focus on
0: that and it just shifts your energy. Cause I'm always going to come from like, well, you know, changing my energy. Cause when we're anxious, we're in a really low vibrational state. Yeah. sounds pretty woo woo, but I think it's actual, you know, science and, you know, it Einsteinian is. anyway. So when we shift that energy, we're changing our vibrational state from that sort of like focus on the negative inward to, you know, radiating something more positive.
1: Completely. And and I know that you, you've helped me a lot with intentions. Every time I go on air every week, I do certain prayers and visualizations. And it's, it's always about the station. I want to, I want to serve them. I want to serve the, the viewers. And at, you know, at the very end is like what I want to get out of it, but mostly it's, you know, I want to, make the anchors jobs easier i want to people the viewers to feel a certain way and feel inspired and i want to make the station proud and yeah that can really help get you out of it and just visualizing yourself doing that and visualizing yourself overcoming the anxious obstacles like like you said it's not about being perfect but if you can imagine yourself giving the speech or presentation and imagine even that you get anxious during it, or maybe you even slip up and then you imagine yourself overcoming it. That's, that's actually the most powerful use of visualization rather than imagining a perfect
0: performance. Oh, Heather, I love that. That's so empowering.
1: Isn't it? It's, oh, it's wow. yeah. So you just imagine yourself like getting right back on and, and you're just able to recover. And I think that that is what any TV station would want to see is that you can Pick yourself back up. Not that you're a perfect robot. That that's really helped me the visual, visualization.
0: I want to add on to that because you know we've been focused on the individual, and I really appreciate the on camera and the presentation and the communication skills. But I learned a lot from you from some of the TV segments you've done, where you really talked about again like, anticipating the holidays and these sort of big events that happen and people experience a lot of anxiety around them. And then there's collective, but now let's like expand this. We're, we're living through these remarkably anxious times that are are getting anxiouser. No, I mean, like there's, I, you know, the anxiety we thought would be receding and, and, and it's come back in this literally a tsunami in Tonga. But I mean, I think it's a metaphor for everything. Mm -hmm. So this gets deeper about how to, I mean, card carrying believer and focus on what you can control, but that's easier said than done when It's a constant barrage. It's not just one truck that you know you jumped out of the way, or it's one TV segment. It's just like we're—it's a constant onslaught. So I, I just was like that bigger thing about how what are those ways of opening up our neural pathways? What are sort of collective or or I guess it's the same techniques, but I just want to ask you about the sort of global overall. Every parent has anxiety right now.
1: Yeah, that's so true. You know what? First thing that comes to my mind is boundaries, Um, Mm. especially in this digital age, we really have to create boundaries to minimize the anxious events. Remember I said earlier, it's either events or your mind that causes. So we, we need to protect ourselves from a lot of media and things that we know make us anxious. So, so I suggest people look at their life, you know, look at your daily life Every little thing that comes into your mind, you know everything you look at, everything you hear, what you do, and see how it affects you. You know, like if you if you look at your phone right away in the morning and you look at the news headlines, I mean that immediately spikes your anxiety. And people actually get addicted to anxiety because of what happens in your body and the rush that it causes. So even though it's uncomfortable people can almost feel dead without it when they're used to living that way. So you have to kind of be willing to be uncomfortable without it for a little while, like any addiction you want to just really,
0: you know, so you got to replace uh, that sensation, that feeling that you've been addicted to with something else. Yes. Wow. And and that's where I understand too, is like the power of meditation and different things, but you have to give those practices time to take hold and suddenly realize, wow. Peace and calm feels really good.
1: Yes. But it was so unfamiliar. I didn't know. Right. (laughs) It's so true. Yeah. Wow. So, and and there's, there's something called survival of the busiest in anxiety, which. Okay.
0: Stop. Say that one more time. Oh my God. I feel like I need a tote bag and, you know, a coffee mug
1: coming on. (laughs) Survival of the busiest means that whatever you think about most often becomes wired into your brain and this is about practicing thought you you want to strengthen the thoughts that empower you and starve the thoughts that make you anxious and that's what makes it easier like any discipline over time so it's kind of similar to that addiction thing where if you're constantly thinking these negative thoughts, you're strengthening them. And so that's your default. Your brain just, that's the easiest path for your brain to take. But if you constantly practicing, thinking the thoughts that you want to think, and that goes back to the happy thoughts, but it also, I i really encourage people to think thoughts of what they want to become, you know, p- positive thoughts about I am becoming, I have this potential, you know, or for others, but just you know that becoming that can really strengthen strengthen those pathways so that those become more of the default. So survival of the busiest be be busy thinking about the thoughts that make you feel good and empowered and alive and confident. Confidence is the opposite of anxiety. Okay, I have to write that one down.
0: But I but I'm sitting with this thought around becoming for a number of reasons. But one thing that popped into my mind was learning, you know, during the pandemic and during the early days of Black Lives Matter, the idea that hope is a verb. Yes. Right? Exactly. And so becoming is is using hope, The is an action. Hope is an action. That's really, really powerful. Oh, Heather, thank
1: you for that. Yeah, I love that too. Practicing hopeful thoughts. That is what it is. Hopeful, more confident thoughts. You know, um, I did a study in my PhD program about what goes most viral on the internet, and it's anything that elicits a strong emotion, positive or negative, but they found that the positive ones are the ones that elicit the most hope. So people love hope. You know, we're really drawn to hope. We need hope. We want hope. And a lot of people need to think about what does give me hope. Gather some of those thoughts. What's hopeful to you? What? If you weren't busy being anxious and you were actually, you know, living the way you want to live, what thoughts would you be thinking if you were the person you want to be?
0: Wait, you just give me a really heavy thought from the creative side. And so I'm putting this out to anyone listening who is a who is a creator that, you know, traditionally in the news space and they're, to your point, but negative is is often what leads or or traditionally has sold better because it's, you know what it is because it's easier to elicit a response with that. And you just Mm -hmm. made me realize if as humans, we want hope, we need to be doing hope better. Does that make sense? We need to make content that does hope better. So it's not just sappy or cliche, but it's, it's yes. So we're challenged to tell it and do it and present it in a better way because we crave it. And we need it, but we haven't been doing it well. Oh, I love it. Wow, you're blowing my mind.
1: Oh, you too. You need to trademark, make hope better. I love that. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit as we wind up about your course. Sure. So, So one of the things, you know, this work kind of started with me in my clinical training. I studied attachment styles. And a, a person's attachment style is about how they bond with other people. And we all have a style and it forms in your first few years of life based on how uh, attuned and responsive your primary caregivers were, um, typically the mother, um, but any anyone who is your primary caregiver. And about half the population has a secure attachment style, meaning that they feel secure in relationships they're able to form healthy secure relationships and they're not plagued with either anxiety or avoidance uh, sadly the other half are have insecure attachment styles and one of those styles is the anxious attachment style and i think that's about 25 to 30% of the population they they get particularly triggered with anxiety through relationships and the need for approval, feeling like they're going to be abandoned, uh, not trusting people. And this is all based on how they attached early on. So that's kind of um, where I start in the course and where I started with anxiety. So that's important to know, because if you have an anxious attachment style, you're you're clearly going to have more anxiety and you could have an anxiety disorder, um, like generalized anxiety disorder, but also that other type of insecure attachment style is, is the avoidant or dismissive style. And they, they kind of just avoid intimacy, getting close with people, um, on all levels, this is not just romantic. Um, but they actually do have anxiety as well because, They fear being smothered or having their freedom taken away. And so it it makes them anxious when they get close to people as well. So um, I think that's a really good place for people to start is by looking at their attachment style and there are therapists who specialize just in that. Are there questions we can ask ourselves to figure out what our style is
0: if we don't know, obviously,
1: Yes, you know, I I haven't looked in a while, but um Diane Poole Heller is a therapist who has a free quiz online. Um I used to have my clients do that. I hate to have some it, it's it's dangerous self-diagnosing um sometimes, but fair enough. But yeah, I have but, to, but to your point.
0: Figure that out because I want to circle back to your course.
1: Yeah, yeah. Basically, you could look at look at your relationships and your relationship history, your intimacy history, and you could kind of see if there are certain patterns. And again, secure a secure style means you you're very interdependent. You're you're fine on your own, and you're also very comfortable in a relationship. Anxious is just you know exactly what it sounds is where you're just. You typically anxious people tend to go tend to attach to people who are avoidant, which is the worst trigger they could, you know, it's the worst type for them, because it triggers the abandonment issues and so you can kind of think if you've, if you've been drawn to people who are more dismissive or avoidant or um, narcissistic even you probably have an anxious attachment style and and likewise the the avoidant type tends to draw the anxious which they're they're a terrible match but they're a very common match but going back to my course just there there are a bunch of other little kind of kinds of tricks and tips that you can do for anxiety
0: but i just want to dive right in what is the name of your course it's on your website at heatherhands.com Walk me through, because you do have this course to help us work through some of these things in in our anxious relationships, whether those are personal relationships or professional relationships or social
1: relationships. The name of the course is Create Profitable Relationships by Mastering Anxiety. Anxiety has so much to do with how we relate, going back to that attachment style. And what I mean by profitable relationships are any kind of profit. That could be financially profitable relationships in business or you know personal relationships that bring you joy. And the two biggest ways I think anxiety affects people are one your just your overall health and well-being and the other are your relationships and we need relationships in in all areas of our lives. You know no matter how introverted or independent a person is, we are wired for relationships. So Um, The course talks about how to overcome anxiety without medication and how to get long lasting relief from these intrusive thoughts or excessive worry. And we know that certain people in certain cultures have worry passed down to them. So we're dealing with like generational types of worries for a lot of people. It's not easy to break those habits. And my grandmother used to call my university when I was in college because I lived in Miami where she did to make sure I made it okay like did Heather get there uh, Heather who you know, <laughs> she had such horror she would call the she would call the airline to make sure our flight didn't crash when we were flying down oh. to see her so um but it also will help people just have more energies because Anxiety is so exhausting and that's mm. why there's a correlation between anxiety and depression. They're, they usually go hand in hand because after that anxiety spike, you get a drop in energy, which really can, can show up as depression, hopelessness, um, lack of energy. And then also self-confidence is a, a huge thing to work on because confidence is the opposite of anxiety and it doesn't mean fearless. We have fears, and that's fine. It just means that you're confident that you can handle those fears. you're confident that you can get through whatever life brings you and you're confident in your abilities that, that there was a study about leadership where the the greatest leaders they're not perfect they don't know how to solve everything. they just know in the moment that they have this attitude of a can do attitude that I I can figure it out. I don't know, but I can figure it out. So that's really what confidence is about. So those are some of the things um, that my course has and just really how to create these positive relationships with yourself and with other people. Mm, Heather, what a gift. This has been incredible. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love helping people with this because it's one of the few, it's one of the disorders that, we know more about causes and treatments there are some disorders and some psychological problems that we really don't know a lot about yet or there's not really effective long-term treatment so that's why i love this work is that you really can change you really can change your brain you really can become more confident
0: oh on that note thank you so much So if you are interested in learning more about how to overcome anxiety naturally, as Heather was just discussing, skip on over to Heather's website, heatherhands.com, to learn about her course and sign up. Plus, of course, you can follow Heather on Instagram and the other socials, which I highly recommend. And I wanna thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you're interested in becoming a more confident and hopeful, impactful leader and communicator, please shoot me a note via my website at ableintermedia.com. I would love to discuss it with you. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscription button if you haven't already.